The Amazing Beauty of Creation is brought to you by CompuKids. CompuKids is an online technology academy for kids. CompuKids offers courses like game development, coding, app development, graphic design, and animation, all especially designed for kids. The CompuKids courses are all available as downloadable multimedia ebooks. CompuKids will help you to prepare your child for the fourth industrial revolution by providing them with valuable technology skills. Support the show by visiting www.compukids.me. That's .me. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to The Amazing Beauty of Creation. I'm your host Bilal Katrada. And I'm your co-host Talha Katrada. And today we're going to be talking about dangerous creatures of the Amazon. Now last week we spoke about the Amazon jungle itself, how vast it is and how vital it is for the world's ecosystems and for our oxygen supply. I mean, every fifth breath that you take comes from oxygen generated by the Amazon jungle. Now, we also spoke about something very, very remarkable, which is that the Amazon jungle is being uh, is being fertilized by the Sahara Desert. I mean, every year, hundreds of tons of phosphorus fertilizer is blown across the Atlantic Ocean from the Sahara to the Amazon jungle. This is amazing. This shows Allah Ta'ala's might and His wisdom that one of the driest, most desolate places on earth is actually keeping one of the most richest, if not probably the richest environments in the world, the Amazon jungle, which has tens of thousands of species of plants and animals. So the Sahara is keeping it alive through fertilization, which shows, you know, in everything that Allah Ta'ala created, there's a reason. And this brings us closer to understanding the ayah where Allah Ta'ala says, رَبَّنَا مَا خَلَقْتَ هَذَا بَاطِلًا that, oh, oh Allah, you haven't created any of this for no reason. You haven't created anything that doesn't have its purpose in the universe. Even the dry, dusty, desolate Sahara Desert has its place in the world. It serves its purpose in the world. In the same way, every single thing that we see around us that Allah Ta'ala created, every creature, even the one that seems the most meaningless in its existence. Let's take, for example, the little barnacles that cling to rocks at the at the beach. Even those have their function. Even those have a specific function and they fit within a bigger... They, well, they are the piece of a bigger puzzle and they fit within that puzzle and they carry out their function day after day. So in the same way, we as human beings, every single one of us has our purpose. We all have different skills, different levels of intellect, different uh, talents, but Allah Ta'ala has put us here for a reason. No one is here by mistake. No one is here randomly. Everybody is here in this world today, at this moment, alive for a reason. You are here for a reason. Allah Ta'ala placed you here and He's timed it so that you exist in this planet in this world at this specific time. There was no other time for us to be existing and there's no other time for the people of the past to be existing. Their place was then, our place is now. So in the same way, 
everything that Allah Ta'ala has created has its place. Now, moving on, I know you, our listeners are excited to listen about the fierce creatures of the Amazon. What sort of creatures are we looking at? Well, these are some of the most unusual, horrific creatures. These are things, you know, out of a science fiction horror novel. And uh, Tala is going to tell us about it today. So Tala, what have you got lined up for us today? Okay, so first let's start off with one of the, probably the most obvious choices, which is the green anaconda. Now, the green anaconda is one of the longest species of snake in the world. But the thing is, we don't actually really know which species of snake grows the longest because we don't have enough data on all of the, the, the long species of snakes. Now, there's three contenders or three main contenders for the title of longest snake in the world. These are the green anaconda, the Burmese python, and the reticulated python. But the thing about these snakes is that all of them live a very secretive lifestyle. They they eat and then they go and hide away and they're very hard to find because they live in very dense forests, just like how the anaconda lives in a tropical rainforest. The, the Burmese and the reticulated, uh, reticulated python also live in, in dense forests. So it makes them uh, very hard to, to find and even harder to accurately measure or, or capture them. Uh, you can imagine going, trying to go into a forest and catch a snake of that size. So and another problem with, with finding out which snake species grow the longest is that snakes never stop growing. Uh, as long as they're alive, they'll keep growing. Obviously, once they, they reach maturity, they, their growth rate severely slows down. Just like, just like the sharks that uh, we discussed uh, a couple of episodes Just like ago. the sharks. Why is it that the scary creatures just keep growing bigger and bigger, huh? And a snake's food source, I mean, its size will also depend on its environment and the amount of food it ate or, or the quality of the food it ate. So all of these factors combined makes it very difficult to determine which species of snake grows to be the largest or to grow, grows to be the longest. But the green anaconda is definitely one of the longest snakes in the world. The green anaconda has been accurately measured uh, at up to 5.2 meters long. So if you think about that, that's the length of three fully grown adult males lying down in a straight line. Wow, that is a big snake. That is huge. And how fat is this thing? Uh, green anacondas are actually really fat. So th they are, they are w without a doubt, the heaviest snake on earth. Uh, even though they are not the longest. This is because they are a lot girthier or a lot bulkier than other snakes their size. So like the Burmese and the reticulated python, although they could potentially grow longer than the anaconda, but they are more slender. And they are more, yeah, more slender, less bulky. The anaconda, if you look at it, it actually looks like it's fat. It's like, it, it's very, very round, very bulky on its sides. And that's all muscle for crushing its prey. Yeah, because that's th that's the way that uh, that anacondas feed. Uh, they they don't have venom, so they they don't bite their prey and wait for it to die. They are constrictors, so they gotta grab their prey and then squeeze it until it it, it dies, and then they eat it whole. Okay, so but isn't isn't that crushing action also making the prey a bit smaller, so the anaconda can ingest the prey also? Uh, in a very small way, it's more like just they squeeze in the air out of you. So oh, okay, 
So they won't re- actually shrink it down completely, but maybe just the size that it would be uh, if it if it was holding its breath. Okay. So now the anaconda, although it's only been measured to about five or accurately measured for about to about five point two meters long, there have been reports of anacondas as long as eight point eight meters long or e- even longer. Now that snake would be the length of five adult males lying down in a straight line. Wow, so that is a huge, huge snake. Now, it, that's, it, it is pretty big, but all, it hasn't been properly confirmed yet, but neither has it been, been disproved completely. You see that most of the, uh, the, the anacondas that were captured and measured were taken from an area of forest that wasn't very dense, it had a lot of, of it was a lot of human interference in that area, and there wasn't really an abundance of, of large prey items. So it's possible that the anacondas taken and measured from there were were smaller than anacondas you would get, say, in the middle of the rainforest, where there's absolutely no human uh, interruptions and there's abundance of, of large prey items. But that would that would present its own set of challenges because. In that sort of scenario, it'll be nearly impossible to see an anaconda to 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 catch one because they're so well camouflaged into their background and the forest is so dense. And the thing is, anacondas they only come out to feed once every couple of month, uh, months, months, uh, depending on the meal size. Sometimes they'll they'll eat a, a very large prey item, and then they'll go hibernate for about a year, and they won't come out again. For about so a year. For a year, the, the depending on the meal size. So that makes it extremely hard because when they hibernate, they need to, to protect themselves from predators. So they make sure that they are hidden well. So typically, uh, where would a, uh, uh, an anaconda actually hibernate? Underground? Underground in caves or in, in tree hollows, underneath some rocks. Anywhere it can squeeze itself. And you'll be surprised. Even these snakes are so large... 8.8 meters long, apparently. They can squeeze themselves into some pretty small areas. Hmm, interesting. Okay, now, so that concludes the, the green anaconda. Now, the next creature uh, that we're going to discuss probably uh, has a lot of fear attached to it because of, of, of the, the, the stigma it kind of has. Uh, the creature we're going to talk about next is the red belly piranha. Now, when you think about a piranha, or the red belly piranha specifically, you probably think of these this vicious creatures that live in, in these shoals and just are ready to attack and tear up anything that comes close to the water. Yeah, that's exactly what I think of. That is actually mostly incorrect. It's, it's sort of like a, a, a negative media uh, image that th- these creatures have. Uh, well, media and science fiction. And science fiction. The, the piranhas are actually largely scavengers. Um, in the rainy seasons, when, when food is abundant, they will eat mainly plants and other small insects, worms, and snails that, that fall into the water. Okay, pretty seems pretty harmless. Now, they do live in groups or these shoals, but it's mainly for, for protection purposes, for protection against predators, uh, rather than for hunting purposes. They don't actually hunt in packs. Now, occasionally, especially in the drier season, when when food is scarce, they will go into a, a group will go into a, a freezing fer- frenzy and attack a large prey item. When they do this, they will 
strip the flesh from bone within minutes a shoal um wow but most of the time they will only attack small weak or or injured creatures like for instance if if a bird a baby bird falls into the the river they will attack it when i say baby bird i don't actually mean like a small sparrow i mean like you know one of the cranes or or larger species of birds that you get in in the amazon mm-hmm. so it's a very very rare occurrence for for a a shoal to go into a feeding frenzy like that and attack a, a large creature so tell me this has there ever been a reported verified incident where piranhas attacked a human being there have been uh, a few reports some of them not as credible as others but it's it's a very very rare occurrence because a piranha sees you as a predator because you are a lot larger than it so even a shoal of them is very unlikely to attack a a person so if you essentially jump into a shoal of piranha they'll probably scatter for their own lives definitely okay now piranhas in terms of size they generally grow to about 30 cm long but occasionally you get some that grow a bit larger and those ones can reach lengths of maybe 50 cm long so quite scary to think about especially since they have one of the highest or one of the the, the yeah the hi- largest bite forces uh to body mass ratio compared to any other creature in the animal kingdom so they have these extremely powerful jaws and their teeth are actually serrated like like a knife like a kitchen knife so although it, it makes them the perfect predator for just tearing into flesh and and, and devouring large creatures they are largely scavengers so thankfully thankfully um otherwise i mean if you think about it if they if they were primarily large predators that went after other creatures the amazon especially the rivers would be mostly barren they would have eaten everything by now that's true but then also uh, only creatures that are unfortunate enough to fall in the water or maybe even creatures that come to drink water and kind of you know tip over inside they'd become victims so you're saying that that piranhas are generally you know minding their own business they're carrying on life scavenging the bottom of the river looking for worms but we have this idea that they this vicious little things waiting for somebody to fall in and you know make a a whole body into a skeleton within minutes so it's not like that eh it's not it's it's although to, for some small creatures that is a reality but very rarely only if the piranhas are a short on food if if food is a bit scarce at the time so tell me th- that bite force of the piranha and that serrated teeth if this is just a scavenger why does it have such a massive bite force i mean a crocodile we can understand right the crocodile is the other creature that's known for its bite force and it 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 has this bite force because the crocodile hunts in this way if there's a if there's a deer or a buck drinking water the crocodile will dart out of the water and snap that prey using that incredible force what but the piranha why why would why would a creature like this have that kind of bite force well, it can be attributed to a few things so firstly uh, when they scavenge in a lot of time maybe they'll they'll find nuts that they need to crack open uh so they need those powerful jaws to bite through the shell and although it it is a rare occurrence but it is a reality that those fish sometimes do need to attack other fish or or larger prey items so especially in the in the drier seasons uh when when there isn't much rainfall 
So though that bite force uh, could be necessary for, for their survival in those times. Okay, interesting. I think we should do a separate program because this is very, very interesting. The, the bite force of various animals and how, how you know, they can crush bones and they can crush very uh, hard objects. Like you said, the, the, the shells of nuts. I mean, walnut shells are extremely hard. There's no way our teeth can actually bite through those. But there's also the other thing you mentioned that, that, that my mind is lingering on, and that is the serrated uh, design of these, of these teeth. You know, this is the beauty of Allah Ta'ala's creation, His wisdom, that this creature has to slice through flesh, it has to slice through its, its whatever it's eating, and Allah Ta'ala has equipped it with serrated blades for teeth. Now, if you we can try this at home, right? If you take a piece of of meat or you take a piece of of anything, a vegetable, and you try cutting it with a smooth edge knife versus a serrated edge, what's going to happen? You'll find the serrated edge is more effective in in cutting. That's why we're finding all sorts of kitchen knives nowadays with those weird serrations. Now, those serrations are actually designed based on nature, based on what Allah Ta'ala created, based on the teeth of some of these creatures like piranhas. So that's actually quite interesting and it's quite amazing when you think about it, that that Allah Ta'ala, you know, in His wisdom, He equipped these teeth, these uh, creatures with serrated edge blades for for teeth. That's that's truly amazing. Okay, moving on. What What have you got for us next? What's the next dangerous creature Okay. Yeah, we're going to talk about the next creature is actually uh, extremely dangerous potentially extremely dangerous but very unsuspecting when you look at it you'd never think it could it could end your life this is the poison dart frog now there are many species of of poison dart frogs of various sizes they generally are very small some species only up to about one and a half centimeters and some of the larger ones will grow up to maybe six centimeters uh, but they're very unsuspecting because of their size and because of their color. They're extremely beautiful creatures. They're very, very brightly colored. You get like, for example, the blue poison dart frog, which is this bright blue color with these black markings on it. Then you get its yellow equivalent. You get some with red and blue. I've seen some it's of them. They've got these radiant colors, like almost neon. Now, although those co- those colors for us, we think of them as, as being very beautiful and we want to go grab it, but in the animal kingdom, that's actually a warning. When, when predators see that, that colors, they associate it with, with, with venom or with, with, with toxins, and they generally will avoid the poison dart frogs because of that. No entry signs. Exactly. So, um, and uh, now as that would suggest, the poison dart frog is in fact venomous, or some species of them are. And they're not venomous in the fact that they bite you and inject their venom, but instead their venom is injected through their skin. So just touching them is potentially fatal to you. Wow, that is amazing. So how does that poison sort of penetrate your skin? It is. It, in a way, it does. It goes through your skin and into your bloodstream. Oh, wow, that is dangerous. The interesting thing about... about uh, poison dart frogs is that they don't produce their own venom. They get it from their diet, which consists of ants and mites and termites. So when they eat those creatures, they extract the venom and then they reuse it for themselves. Wow, that's amazing. So you mean 
in the digestive systems there is almost this little distillery that pulls out just the venom from these creatures and what stores it in some some gland somewhere exactly and that that's truly amazing how the sne- the, the frog wow. is not just immune to the venom of it of it of its prey items but it but uses it it reuses them i've never heard of anything like that where any creature doesn't just digest its its entire food but extracts just one aspect of the food and keeps it separately and digests the rest that's that i've never actually heard of that it's nothing i've come across maybe there is but this is exactly what's happening here so this frog swallows the the prey swallows the the bug the poison ant for example digests the body but not the not the the, the poison and probably that's that's its level, its immunity because the poison instead of being digested it's being stored elsewhere so that the frog is not harmed by that poison perhaps if it was getting digested then that frog might have been harmed by its own uh, by the, the the food that it's eating but this year again mind boggling allah taala's creation is amazing it's mind boggling i'm i'm so loving this this episode i mean we meeting some of the most amazing of allah taala's creations here Tell us more uh, what what goes on after it it eats the ants and uh, termites. Okay so once it eats the termite it then absor- absorbs the uh, the the venom and then that venom is excreted through its flesh and then through its skin. Uh and that protects it from predators. Uh but because it gets its its venom from the creatures that it eats if you feed it especially in captivity if it is fed a diet of non-venomous creatures after a while it will then lose its toxicity and then it becomes safe to handle like any other frog now the poison dart frog is called the poison dart frog because uh the native tribes of the amazon used to tip their arrows and their their darts with venom from the the poison dart frog question how did they touch the frogs they probably had had some type of glove made out of leaves to to be able to safely grab it okay but the thing is there are about 170 species of poison dart frog and only four of them have been recorded uh, in being used uh, to tip arrows uh, they the native tribes would more commonly use plants uh, oh, okay. to, to harvest venom so that's interesting now human beings exploit this this uh, poison of this uh, creature i mean it's amazing i can I can't I can't understand how that poison actually penetrates the skin. I mean that's mind-boggling. It's really how, how does it penetrate through the pores? Uh I assume so, so uh, something like that. Okay, so you touch it, it goes through your skin and then it starts working on your bloodstream. Wow, that's okay. so that's so scary. And obviously because it has this other creatures actually recognize this poison dart for both by its colors perhaps is a smell also and then that's a no entry sign don't touch don't come near me but the thing is just like how the 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 frog is immune to the venom of its of its prey items there's some species of snake that are immune to the poison dart frog's venoms oh they so, have to be that right they just had to be that so they have a, a small time win but there's predators out there that bypass their security measures And look at look at this 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 system that Allah Taala has created. You got this, you know, this chain of creatures, the poison ants get their uh, their venom from where? Plants, I don't know. 
and then the poison dart frogs eats those, needs to eat those, so that it can extract that poison, layers its own skin with it, and then you've got the snake that's been equipped to eat that poison dart frog. It's amazing how Allah Ta'ala has made all of these plans for all of his creatures, that the snake is now, uh, you know, what, what does it have some kind of layers in its mouth? Does it have some kind of anti-venom? How does it protect itself? Um, I'm not exactly sure of the exact mechanism, but a, a lot of snakes are immune to venom. Like some species of snake that eat other venomous snakes are immune to their venom. Wow, So they just, th- their bodies have developed ways or are equipped with ways to, to ignore the venom. And rather than affecting the snake, they just digest it. Wow, amazing. This is deliberately, specifically created by Allah Ta'ala because he knew that this snake's rosy or this uh, snake's risk is going to come from that poison dart frog. So he, he, he protected it against uh, the, the venom inside the poison dart frog. Amazing. We've uh, run out of time, Talha. And I haven't even gotten through my list yet of amazing creatures from the Amazon. Which is awesome. That means another episode of Dangerous Creatures of the Amazon coming up next time. That's all we have time for today, folks. Uh, We're going to call it a wrap. I'm Pilal Katrada. And I'm Talha Katrada. And this is The Amazing Beauty of Creation.